You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number seven. Hey guys, so today we are going to be talking about some car seat safety with Miss Michelle from Safe in the Seat. I met Michelle not too long ago. I haven't known her like a million years, but not too long ago on social media, we crossed paths and I just love her page. And she's just, I just love her. She's so down to earth and not like in your face. (laughs) I think sometimes car seat safety and like car seat techs in general sometimes can get a bad rap because they're like preachy. And you can agree or disagree with me on that, but I just really like Michelle because she's not preachy at all. She's just like, hey, this is the information, you know, take it for what it's worth. I'm not going to like blow it in your face though. So funny story about this episode. We go over a lot of really, really good information in this episode and answer a lot of really great questions for you guys. But when I was talking to Michelle in this episode, I was talking about how Walter was still rear facing and how, you know, I was going to try and keep him rear facing as long as possible. And he's still rear facing in my car. But side note, this is like a little story, (laughs) personal story. I got into my husband's car a few days ago. It was this week. And I noticed that the seat was turned red, like it was front facing. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) I was like, uh, did you do this? Like, did you turn this around without talking to me? But I like started to go all crazy. And he was like, yeah, like I was traveling for work and then I put it back in my car and I read on the website that it looked like he was the recommended weight and the recommended height. So I figured, hey, like, why don't we switch him around? It's time. And I was like, why didn't you talk to me? Like, I wanted to keep him rear facing for as long as possible. And why would you just go and do that without talking to me? Blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't realize. So... Walter's fine. He's he's fine. He now front faces in my husband's car because, hey, once you start front facing a kid, if you turn them back rear facing, they're not going to be very happy about it. And he's still rear facing in my car. So we're holding out as long as we can. I just weighed him the other day and I realized that he is actually getting to almost that recommended switch weight because he's actually a pretty big two and a half year old. So it's not going to be long, but side note, if you are very passionate about car seat safety and not turning your baby around, let your husband know about it (laughs) before they go and just like turn around your car seat without talking to you. (laughs) Okay. So that was my little story for today. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Can you start just by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your family? Sure. So my name is Michelle. I live in Tampa, Florida. I have a six-year-old son named Jake and a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Adeline. I am married. Let's see what else about me. I was in the 
nonprofit sector for many, many years until I became a mom and then slowly sort of changed my path as I... As many people do. <laughs> right? Uh, not necessarily, you know, we all have these best laid plans and then they change. So yeah. if you would have told me that I would be talking to you on a podcast about car seat safety, like when I was getting my master's from Notre Dame, however many years ago, I would have never believed you. Um, But here I am. And I absolutely love what I'm doing and became super passionate about it. Because as a mom myself, I couldn't find a lot of the information that I needed when I needed it. And so I just kind of took matters into my own hands over the last couple of years. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. So we are going to be talking all about car seat safety and car seat questions and all of that good stuff. I've kind of taken some questions from y'all's comments on Instagram and questions that you've asked me and questions that you've asked Michelle. So we are just going to dive right into it. Let's see. The first one is, if I'm bringing my baby home from the hospital... Let's go over the basics of like how to buckle baby in and if I'm doing it properly and I guess, you know, who should I ask, all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I will say about this is it's not intuitive to know how to buckle a baby in. So the number one tip that I give people is to practice with a baby doll, a friend's baby, a teddy bear, something with your own car seat prior to going to the hospital. So I certainly did not do this. And I I didn't. (laughs) Right? And I thought for sure someone was going to help me when I was leaving the hospital with this six pound baby boy. And in my case, not the case in all hospitals, but in many, nurses are not allowed to help you. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, here I am with this baby. And I've got to buckle him in this car seat. And of course I had the seat, but I was like, well, you know, I'm a relatively smart person. I can figure out how to put this baby in. Oh my gosh, you guys, I definitely did not have him harnessed incorrectly. I share in some of my own stories. I'm very honest about how many of my mistakes are what I share to create content for you all. Yeah. So first thing, buckle in some, borrow a baby, borrow a teddy bear, something (laughs) and get a little bit familiar with your own car seat. The critical things when we're looking at bringing baby home, so how do you do that safely? The, one of the first things you wanna make sure of is that the harness straps, so where the straps come out around the shoulders, mm-hmm. that they are coming out at or below the baby's shoulders. Okay. Now, depending on the type of car seat that you've purchased, so an infant car seat, which is one that you can literally carry around, right? Mm-hmm. It's got a handle on it, comes in and out of the car. These are things I truly did not even completely understand as a first-time mom. Or some people choose to use what's called a convertible car seat, which stays in the car as their first car seat. Mm -hmm. But you want to make sure that the harness straps are at or below the baby's shoulders. And some car seats, depending on size, they're not all a standard size of where that first harness strap slot is. Ah. I didn't know that. I don't think a lot of people would know that. So that's why I also really encourage you to put your baby in that car seat before you're being kicked out of the hospital. (laughs) So try 24 hours or so before you are getting ready to be discharged from the hospital for your own anxiety. Just tone it down here and let you practice when there aren't 800 people in the room and you're not being watched and scared and 
nervous. So if you put the baby in, you're going to really check that the harness straps are coming from at or below the shoulders, which often means that there's an infant insert that is in use. Okay. And then, and, and each, you know, I wish I could give you a blanket standard on that as well. I can't. Every car seat is different in terms of which ones have infant inserts, what their weight limits are, but just mm-hmm. read your manual. Yours will tell you. Mm-hmm. And then that little infant insert, if it has ones to push the baby's bum up, so that those harness straps will be at or below their shoulders. Ah, I didn't know that was exact. That's exactly what it was for to kind of push them up. Always thought it was just, I don't know. I'd, I guess I didn't really know. Yeah, just like oh, extra cushion or something. Know. Yeah, how would you know? It's literally made, and some have more sort of aggressive inserts than others. Yeah. And so if you take the combination of the thickness of that insert plus the lowest harness strap level, mm-hmm. we. We can see based on average torso height, whether a seat is likely to fit a small baby or a average baby or so some seats are better for preemie babies than others. Interesting. You know, this can start to get super technical and super overwhelming, which is why, and we'll talk about this later, I know visiting with a certified technician is always a good idea because even as people listening to this can be like, holy moly, I don't, now I'm even, you know, even more confused. Yeah. Right. And I share a ton of pictures of this type of stuff and stories and videos on my page because it's hard to hear this stuff and not see it. Not see it, right. So those harness straps are really important. The other really critical things when you're harnessing the baby in is make sure that the legs aren't like frog legs. You want to make sure the legs come out because babies are super tiny. So the straps that go around the sort of upper thighs or hip area, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you want the baby's legs to stick out. So again, that's where I feel like practicing is really critical because sometimes babies, you know, they come out of a very small place. They're used to being in a real fetal position. And so we just want to make sure that when we're harnessing around their legs, we're harnessing in the right spot. I reference babies a lot as like limp noodles. Uh They literally don't have any control yet. So once you put them in the car seat, they have a tendency to sort of slide back down. Mm-hmm. So keep your hand sort of under their bum, push them back up to keep their back, you know, flush against the back of the car seat. That's really important to support their head, neck, and spine. Cool. And then when you buckle the crotch buckle, you put the shoulder straps over their shoulders. And then the, the biggest thing is tighten the straps. So Again, they are coming from a very small place. And oftentimes, babies feel far more safe and comfortable if you think of the harness like a wrap almost, you know, as Mm -hmm. if you are swaddling them. So the harness needs to be tight enough that their body does not move because their bones have not fused together. We need to keep them from moving, their body, their neck moving as much as possible in the event of a crash. So tighten that thing up and then make sure that you put the chest clip at armpit nipple level. On babies, that's usually the same. Mm -hmm. As you grow older, your armpit and nipple level changes. They're not one and the same. enough. Right, exactly. Yeah, it becomes a lot lower. Uh, But for babies, a lot of times it's sort of at a similar place. And just to sort of debunk the myth on this chest clip, Mm-hmm. We have a lot of moms listening to this. Ladies, if we were going to put a bra on, well, you know, when we put our bras on, right? if your straps are really loose, what happens? They slide down off your shoulders, right? right. Like, you know, right. and if super loose, they slide down off your shoulders. We have a clasp in place that's high up on our back as one of the ways 
that we keep the shoulder straps on our shoulders. Mm. Same thing for a chest clip. A chest clip is in place as a secondary mechanism to keep the shoulder straps on the shoulders. Oh my gosh, I love so, that. <laughs> right? Like a bra. <laughs> I, it is. It's like a bra or like a spaghetti strap shirt. Like I'm literally getting ready to do a post about this because yeah. the hard part is, do I put myself in there? <laughs> right, right. In an appropriate way. But I think most of us can absolutely visualize that of when we yeah. have a loose bra strap and it's falling down. Uh-huh. And it's a much different safety scenario than when you're in a car and you're a teeny tiny baby. So keeping those harness straps on the shoulders is done by keeping the harness tight and by putting that chest clip at armpit or nipple level. Because in the event of a crash, we don't want the baby's body to move really in any capacity. And so those shoulder straps keep the baby in the car seat and not moving very much at all. I love that. I'm going to think about that every time I buckle my son in now about the bra thing. Like that just makes so much sense. And I just love that you use that analogy. I'm all about how do we make this seem, you know, just what's the real life ways of understanding it? Because I also feel like it helps people to remember. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I just think when you strap a kid in, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like that's how I think of strapping them in properly. Like you need to literally buckle them in like they were going on a roller coaster ride, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Great. <laughs> but I yeah. Mean, that's, yeah, absolutely. You know, a car seat is, it's a large investment. It is also single-handedly the most critical investment that is directly linked to saving your child's life. Yeah. I mean, if you think about all the things that we buy in preparation for baby, and certainly I am guilty of Pinteresting the heck out of pretty nurse. Same. Uh, (laughs) You know, when we invest in a car seat, just because we bought it doesn't mean we know how to use it. Yeah. I mean, I certainly didn't. So yeah, uh, no, I didn't either. I had to. I mean, I have a Graco forever, and I love that thing. But yeah, I had to read my manual because I don't have any idea. And it's like I, I remember I had to wash the. Well, I've had to wash it a few times. Now we've had a little, a few accidents with milk in the back seat. But you know, when the first time I washed the cover, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get my manual. I don't know how to take these off and put them back on. And where does these? I'm like so worried that I'm going to do it the wrong way. But right. yeah, the right. manual, like guys, read your freaking manual. And every car seat should come with a manual. And yeah. that's a, another good point. I guess I wanted to ask you too. Is like some people get car seats secondhand, and are you even supposed to do that? I mean, so I, I have a whole po- blog post on this actually um, yeah. one that I have, but I do have that one on should you buy used or should you not? And I have right. a checklist for people to follow okay. because I mean, the general answer is, is it a good idea? Not really. There's right. a lot of variables that I would, if nothing else, consider that I would go through that checklist. So I don't believe that people are going to sell you or give you a car seat intentionally that is unsafe. Right. Often we don't know what makes it unsafe. So if it's traveled under a plane, if it's been cleaned improperly, mm-hmm. if it has been in an accident, you know, I could give you a, a thousand, you know, if it's expired, obviously there, there are certain, if it's missing components. So I just met with a family that was passed down an infant carrier seat. And we went to practice before the baby came with the doll that I use with families mm-hmm. and the infant insert wasn't there. Ah. But she didn't even think to ask Right. For an insert. And of course, the person passing down, this was quite some time ago for them. They've like blacked out on that stage. <laughs> like yeah. 
passed that point a long time ago, they weren't giving it to her intentionally missing parts. Right. It was. And so now it made the seat unusable. She was delivering the baby. It was a scheduled C-section within five days. We didn't have time to even work with the company to get that part. Oh gosh. So I do think used seats in general, there are so many affordable options out there, or at least more affordable options. If you are going to use a used seat, I would make sure that you look at that post, go through that checklist and really know the person that you're going to be getting the seat from. Yeah. That you have that trust from Craigslist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be buying seats off random sites. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I'll definitely link that post at the bottom of this show notes page for people to look at. Well, awesome. Well, that is a lot of good information. I did have one question about the buckling. A lot of people ask about the rolled up receiving blankets with like little baby newborns. Can you just talk about that for a second? Because I know a lot of people are very confused about that. Yes. So let me just say in general, like adding any products to your car seat in general is not a good idea. So please everyone save your money and go get a pumpkin spice latte or something (laughs) and do not buy anything that is going to go around the, but don't buy anything that's going to be added to the car seat, but especially these head support products or like, you know, the rounded, please don't buy those. They have a very easy ability to slide behind your baby's head and push Mm -hmm. the neck forward. And we'll talk about that in a second, but just save your money. It's not necessary. So when we talk about the rolled receiving blankets, so, you know, these babies are little and it's even different when you practice, you're like, okay, I've got this. And now you're holding a real human and, you know, putting this little one in the seat. Much different. So (laughs) the first thing you always want to make sure of is that your car seat manufacturer allows you to use those. And if you don't know and you can't find it in the manual, then call just like their 1-800 number. I know that we usually go on a wild goose chase when we dial a 1-800 number, but car seat manufacturer companies are so good about their customer service. So they really are. So you'll get a real human live person that you could ask the question. But rolled receiving blankets often are used on the side of the body. They go from the hip strap They shouldn't be in any way behind the harness. So they go from the hips of the baby and I will make sure to do a graphic on this so that we can show everyone. You know, they're used sort of on the side of the body and up through the side of the head. Again, not interfering with the harness in any way. The majority of the time, they're not necessary. It's when we're talking about really premature babies or perhaps a car seat that does not have as many inserts or padding as necessary. Mm -hmm. But whenever it comes to adding a product to a car seat, I would be calling the the manufacturer and or looping in a certified technician to help you make that judgment call. Cool. Like what you said about the insert, it's really more just about kind of getting them higher up or getting them in, you know, that right position. And it sounds like those infant inserts can do that or they should be able to do that. Yes. Like I said, I think there are a couple of cases, you know, but I I was with not uh, two twin NICU babies that came home a couple of weeks ago. They were a little over four pounds and they were actually in a convertible car seat, not even an infant car seat. Mm-hmm. We did not have to use rolled receiving blankets. Now, again, it's based on a lot of factors that you sort of have to puzzle together, but there are not many instances where I have, I think I've had to use it in one instance. And even then as a nationally certified car seat safety technician, I still called 
the car seat manufacturer mm-hmm. to make sure that I felt like my judgment call was correct. That's a good point. That's a really good point. That'll be the whole theme of this podcast is like, hey, if you have any questions, make sure you call your car sheet manufacturer or talk to, you know, CPST. Yeah. <laughs> it can be super confusing. And I think all of us have, of course, the absolute best interests of our kids in mind. But I find that a ton of the misuses come from just sort of, of course I can do right. this, or how hard can it be? Or why wouldn't I be able to do this? And I sort of just defer to err on the side of you can't really do anything unless it's written down in your manual or you've talked to a currently certified technician. We're required to recertify every two years and things are changing constantly. So you want to make sure that you're, you're seeing a currently certified technician. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was sponsored by Eucora. Eucora is a female-founded company focused on UTI prevention. And I don't know about you guys, but I certainly have had a few UTIs in the past. I used to get them all the time when I was younger. I don't really get them anymore, but they suck. And I've tried the whole cranberry juice thing and that stuff just never worked for me. (laughs) So I was really excited to find out about Eucora because it doesn't contain any cranberry or cranberry supplements, nor antibiotics, and all of the ingredients found in this drink mix are found in nature and are safe. They sent me their target drink mix, which it just tastes like pink lemonade. It's pink lemonade flavor, super yummy, does not taste artificial at all. And it works by flushing out new bacteria introduced to the urinary tract after activities like sex or exercise. This target drink mix works by binding to bacteria and increasing urinary flow to flush the bacteria out, alkalizing the urine, which slows bacteria growth. And as a bonus, it also boosts your immune system. One of the ingredients contained in this drink mix is called D-mannose, and that aids in this process by binding to the bacteria that can then be flushed out of the urinary tract during urination. Target also uses vitamin B6, which is a safe and gentle diuretic to increase urinary flow and eliminate the free-floating bacteria. Potassium, calcium, and magnesium salts help to balance this diuretic process out as well. Target also alkalizes the urine, like I said, making it more difficult for bacteria to grow. Immune cells and other proteins which help combat UTI-causing bacteria function better in a more alkaline environment. Urinary alkalization also eases the symptoms of bladder irritation and discomfort associated with UTIs and interstitial cystitis, which don't even get me started on that. That's no fun either. Lastly, Target does help to boost the immune system at the right time using vitamin C, which has antioxidant properties demonstrated to support immune system function and slow bacteria growth. It's really great and it's really yummy, I promise. To check out Eucora's Target drink mix, go to eucora.com and they gave me a code. It's mommy15 to save 15% on any of their products. So that's M-O-M-M-Y 15 to save 15%. Well, let's move on to this next question. And this kind of goes with, you know, the strapping in, but I know I've seen you reference it. Other people have referenced something called the pinch test. And I always have moms 
ask about this, what exactly this means and how to do this. So talk to us about the pinch test. Yep. So I'm actually in light of also getting a ton of questions about this, as I've been talking about winter safety and like Halloween costumes and just bulky clothing and car seats, I'm creating a whole separate highlight just on the pinch test. So the pinch test is a test to help us ensure that we have tightened the harness straps sufficiently. Okay. So the pinch test is this. We completely harness in the child. As you said earlier, it's kind of like, think like we're getting on a roller coaster, Mm -hmm. you know, or in a race car. We're going to really going to get them in there good and tight. But sometimes we tend to be a little crazy pants about it. You know, I've seen parents that are like, I mean, you're really like the straps are uh, yeah. in. I'm like, all right, no wonder your kid is screaming. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're indentations that are like a quarter inch deep in their shoulders. So right. listen, I've again, been down that path personally. So the pinch test is we check for tightness. Anything you've heard about how to check for tightness, I want you guys to just erase out of your heads and listen to this. This is what we all are supposed to do. There are so many myths out there about how to check for harness tightness. You tighten the harness, you go up by the shoulder. So there could be a little padding there by their shoulder straps. Mm-hmm. Open it up if it's there, remove it just for the sake of this. And you literally try to take what's called the seatbelt webbing, the harness webbing, and you try to pinch it together. Now, you don't dig underneath the strap and try to pull it up. If you've got to do digging, it's tight enough. Okay. You just try to pinch it together. And if you can pinch extra slack, then it's too loose. Okay. Now, here's the reverse of that that I have found, at least in my mom world, because that still seems to leave some ambiguity for people. Mm-hmm. So do it the reverse, okay? Loosen the harness, pinch the webbing together, mm-hmm. and then pull it out ah. until it slides out of your fingers. Okay. So for those of us that are a little neurotic, myself included, (laughs) about the tightness, I mean, I can't tell you how many questions I get about, okay, I understand the pinches, but like how much exactly what, so do it the reverse, pinch it together, pull the harness out until it slides out of your fingers Mm -hmm. and falls flat on the shoulder of your kid. And the pinch test is one thing that's nice because no matter what age or stage you're in, if you're using a harness, it applies. So you yeah, I still do it with my son. And this is something that I teach like my family members and anybody who's going to be in a car with him is like, Hey, do this pinch test. It's, it's really easy to understand. I feel like if you see yep. it in person and you are explaining it to somebody, it's like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Like that's how tight it has to be. Yes. Yes. Because a lot of times people are checking at the wrong places, right? And like different bodies are shaped differently. You know, if we have a a large bodied child, the harness around their stomach area is going to fit differently than a child who is in the, you know, 10th percentile for weight. So that's not an accurate place to check for tightness. I will say that oftentimes I see extra slack around the hips Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're in a dark car in a dark seat with dark clothing, it, it's easy to miss sort of looseness down there or and twisted or something. Yes, or yeah. twisting any of that, and especially if you're talking about teeny tiny babies, you've got your big old hands in there trying to get them in. So the pinch test, you do want to make sure there's no hidden slack hanging out by the hips mm-hmm. in order to make the pinch test completely accurate. So again, I will. This is all 
part of the content that I share, but I will specifically put that in my pinch test highlight so people know what we're talking about because some of this stuff is really hard to visualize without seeing it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the next question. And these questions, we're talking about sleeping babies and cars. (laughs) And I know that is something that people are very concerned about, like, how long can I have my baby sleep? What if my baby's head hangs? So let's go with the first question of what if my baby falls asleep in the car? How long can I keep the baby in there? What about sleep? (laughs) Right. Sleep is one of like the top five topics that comes up in my world. And that's good. It should be a concern because safe sleep is critically important. The first thing I'll say as just sort of a standard line is that car seats are not sleeping devices. They're transportation devices. So they are a way for us to get our child in the car from one place to another place. However, I am also a mom. (laughs) I understand that when we finally get that baby to sleep, that is like a praise Jesus moment. And we have to balance some sanity with all of this stuff. Yeah, or you got so, multiple kids and you got to jump in the car and yeah, you gotta go to have pick a up car nap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you got a sleeping baby. So there are a couple of things in the car itself to make sure that your baby is safely sleeping. Okay. One is that the seat is installed properly. There is a angle, a recline position that is noted on every car seat, whether it's an infant car seat or a convertible car seat in rear facing mode of where it has to be positioned Mm -hmm. in order to be in a safe place for your child's body. That again is in your car seat manual. Mm -hmm. Do not wing it. You need to make sure that you're on level ground, that you read the manual, Mm -hmm. that you get help so that you get that, that car seat in the absolute proper recline position so that the car seat is ready for your baby to be harnessed in it. Mm -hmm. The second piece is just as we talked about proper harnessing. So keeping your baby in a safe sleeping position means that we need their airway to stay open and the harness being tight and properly positioned along with the recline angle of the installed car seat are the two ways that we can ensure that our baby is sleeping safely in the car. Now, if you have a baby that has medical conditions, that if there's that whole sort of separate caveat, then we need to add in some other precautions for you. That's limited cases because as you well know, babies have to pass a test in order to be able to go home if there's yeah. concern about their ability to ride home in a car yeah, seat. Yeah, if they're in the NICU, they, that's definitely a test that they do where they put a pulse ox on baby and see how their, you know, their sats are when they're, when they're strapped in. But yes. Right. So if we, you know, they've passed that, they're ready to be transported home, the harnessing piece, the angle piece. And then what I tell everyone is based on the age of the baby, you're going to be taking that baby out frequently anyways for feedings, for changings. So use that sort of same schedule as you would if you were sitting at home with them. So, I mean, a newborn baby is going to be changed very frequently. They're going to be fed very frequently. So if you're going on a trip and you're going to be driving, you are going to have to stop as frequently as you would if you are going to be at home to take the baby out and feed and change and do all the things that you need to do for safe care of all of the aspects of the baby. Mm -hmm. So now the question really comes in with, okay, now that the baby's asleep in the car seat, and I wanna take the baby out, what do I do? Yeah. Okay, again, standard line here is car seats are not 
you know, they're not permanent sleeping devices or used for transportation. Right. However, in real mom world, we often need to use these car seats and they are fitting into stroller systems, right? They, we're carrying them into daycare to pick up another kid. We mm-hmm. are going into the grocery store. We are trying to walk around Target, save our sanity, whatever. I get it. And again, I have a whole series coming out on this with some real life picture examples for you guys. If you have a bassinet style sleeper as a part of your stroller system or can get one, the best case is you transfer them to that. So they're on a flat sleep surface, right? Gotcha. Okay. I'm trying to think, I, you said that and I got confused, but yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's just basically a stroller where it's like, they're just it's laying flat. there. Yeah. And you know, I had one that came with my stroller and honestly, I don't even think I ever used it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think about it. I had an adapter. I clicked my car seat in, but I had right. that net that was came as part of my, you know, that flat. I didn't even, I don't know. Yeah. Flat. Missed that memo. Um, so I'm trying to share that memo with people now. Baby wearing is a really good option as well. Safe baby wearing. And this, when I do the safe sleep series, there's going to be a guest person that's going to come on and really take us through proper baby wearing techniques. Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to use the car seat, which is going to happen, guys, I get it. There are a couple of key things. Do not touch the harness. Keep it tight. Mm -hmm. Do not loosen it. Do not unbuckle it. The baby's body, the littler they are, the more at risk we are for positional asphyxiation, which means that their airway is cut off. Mm-hmm. We prevent that from happening again by making sure they're in the proper angle and making sure that their harness is tight. So I know a ton of people, again, I am guilty of this. When I had my first of when you take the baby out, you're like, oh, they must be grandparents are notorious for this, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, they must be uncomfortable. We should unbuckle them. Look how tight it is. Guys, they came from, I don't even know what size this space is of your uterus. You know, it's very small, much smaller than a buckled car seat. Right. I'm like, they're good. And they're so much safer because their bodies Mm -hmm. can't slide down. And so when we hear these scary stories about things that are happening in car seats outside of the car, Mm -hmm. I don't know of a case that is not linked to a misuse, meaning something has been unbuckled, something has been loosened, the baby has been put on top of a surface and unbuckled. How many of us trip during the day? How many of us live on ice, you know, and walk on ice? I've had more people that have messaged me recently that have said, oh my gosh, you are so right. I need to completely harness my baby in and keep them tight. I slipped on ice the other day. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anytime they're in that car seat, keep them harnessed. And then if you're going to hit up Target for a quick run of $100 that you didn't even know stuff you needed, make sure that you are putting the car seat in the large part of the cart. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Again, save your money. You invested in the car seat. If you're going to use it outside of the car, then let's put it in the big part of the shopping cart. Don't use any of those hammocks or the... That stuff makes me so, somebody just turns the corner of an aisle and it's like game over. No, I I mean, we have enough going on guys. Like, yeah. And I mean, I honestly, I either did that. I would just put it in the cart, which if you're going grocery shopping, that's a pain in the butt because obviously you don't have enough room in there. I mean, sometimes I would take my mom grocery shopping with me and like, we would just go together if I had help, but I would either do that and I would just put them in the big one 
Or I would just take my baby and I would just carry my ergo carrier around right. and just baby wear while I did. And I feel like that's honestly, I mean, it kind of sucks if they fell asleep and then I had to transfer or whatever, but that was what I did. And that was my solution. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, ba- I mean, I actually wasn't a huge baby wearing person only yeah. because I wasn't totally comfortable with it. But now looking back, I feel like, especially when my second was born, like I yeah, really you have to. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the convenience of what that could have provided. Yeah. So. Luckily my son loved it. He loved the baby wearing and I loved it. And I just couldn't do the hold the baby with one hand and do this. I, I was like, no, I need both both of my hands to do things. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm, that he that it worked. <laughs> yeah. I I keep thinking after doing all this work with car seats, I'm gonna have like ripped arms. You know, I should yeah. be like really super good shape. But I'm telling you, it still hasn't happened all these years <laughs> later with my own kids and with others. They're cumbersome, they're heavy, they're difficult. They are heavy. You know, they're difficult to juggle. They are so heavy. You know, I think thinking through that kind of a plan is a good idea. And then just never leave a sleeping baby in a car seat unattended. So if they're in the car, we can guarantee they're in, assuming it's installed correctly, we can guarantee they're in the proper recline position. And if they've been harnessed properly, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But don't go into the dressing room at Target and leave the baby sleeping in the cart right outside (laughs) the door for an extended period of time. And again, these are all things that that I've done that we all do where the baby's sleeping, they're fine. I hope they are. But in general, if they're out of the car and sleeping, then we need to have our eyes, you know. Oh, yeah. I totally, I mean, you would think it's common sense, like not to do that. But I mean, I'll tell a bad story of what my husband used. I did it a few times too. But what my husband used to do is like, we have one of those baby, it's like a baby monitor that's a camera. And he would take my son and like take him and he's asleep in his car seat take him out of the car seat and just like put him in his room and like face the camera towards him. And then like the home office was right next door, but he would just kind of face the camera towards him and just kind of leave him there and let him sleep. And then he would cry. We'd go get him. But it's like, yeah, you're probably not supposed to do that. He's like in a completely separate room. He's monitored, but in a completely separate room. But right. Yeah. Right. I mean, Um, but you know, it's okay. (laughs) Listen, guilty. I had a very, very difficult, colicky, acid reflux first baby and the car seat, you know, is upright. He slept better in it. I definitely made some of these mistakes. And again, not intentionally, but just because I didn't realize the risk that I was taking. So, and I don't know how anybody that hasn't been taught this stuff would know that, you know, you wouldn't know. So, you know, I just think in general, if you keep in mind that a car seat is not a sleeping device, if you are going to use it as one outside of the car for any of the various logistical reasons that we just talked about, that we just keep that harness really tight. We keep eyeballs on the kid and just remember the littler they are, you know, so if we use your example, not to completely scare <laughs> you and your husband, but oftentimes babies that are not able to breathe are not able to make a noise. Right. So it, we, that was always my concern with him. So if "Ah." we're working away and we have the monitor faced on a car seat, which I know nobody on here is going to do, but Mm -hmm. you know, I've done it. We've all like, these things have happened. Mm -hmm. You think, Oh, well, I'll hear them. But the truth is you not if they're not breathing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the choking fit, you know, the whole choking, like never let your kid out of your sight when they're eating because yeah, choking is completely silent or sweat, you know, drowning. So like drowning is good. Yeah. It's, just moral of the story, always watch, just watch your kid (laughs) (laughs) when they're in the car seat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well that you'll get neck control. I mean, that's then the the ball game changes a little bit when, you know, I tell people when you're able to hold your baby on your hip, 
for five minutes and they're able to keep their head upright, right? right? So usually it's between, you know better than me, but three to six months is kind of when we say net control, meaning literally they can pick their head up, move it in and out of position. They have the ability to do that. Right. And the risk of positional asphyxiation decreases significantly. Yeah. It's still critical that they're in the right angle and that they are harnessed properly and that they are not unbuckled when they're out of the car, you know, and in the car seat, but they are at least able to pick up their heads and move it in a different position. Mm-hmm. So then when you say, you know, I get so many pictures and comments about these kids in these incredibly weird looking sleep positions. Mm-hmm. Their heads are hanging down low. They look like their necks are going to be permanently in that position for the next year. Like it looks so uncomfortable <laughs> for us yeah. as adults. And in my safe sleep highlight, I literally go through the, one of the first questions you need to ask yourself is, do they have neck control or do they not? Mm-hmm. So the same as if, you know, you have a significant other next to you that's snoring and you whack them to get them out of position. Once they move their head or turn their body, hopefully in best case scenarios, the snoring stops. <laughs> Similar to a kid, if they're in a really uncomfortable position and they have neck control, they're going to move their heads Yeah. So to get in a better position. But kids' bodies are not little adult bodies. They are yeah. very different. They're much more, they're like Gumby. Right. And we are not. So we see these crazy positions that they're in and we're thinking, oh my gosh, like your neck is going to be in pain for the next six months. It really isn't the case. So first question is neck control or no neck control. Yeah. Okay. And that brings up the next question that we were going to talk about is like, and I definitely have had anxiety about this is like my kid's head I see him in the mirror in the back seat and it's like, his head is all the way down. It's like, Oh, I need to buy one of those. And I know we're not supposed to, but like, Oh, you need to buy one of those bandana things that goes over their head to like keep their head back. Like I know a lot of people are very concerned about like, Oh, my kid's head hangs. Like I feel like he can't breathe. Like, what do I do? And then you're saying it really depends on neck control. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that's more of what we as adults tend to sort of inflict on when we see kids because we think of ourselves in that situation. That's similar to rear facing and people thinking that their kids' legs are uncomfortable, which I know it's about. So again, with sleep, don't add any of those banned products. Part of it is we need them to be able to move their head. Mm -hmm. Car seats are designed and crash tested based on no added products. So we need to follow how they would respond in a crash. Anything we add changes how those dynamics work. Mm -hmm. So like for your son, when you see him in a crazy sleep position, so long as the seat is in the proper recline, so long as he is properly harnessed, and so long as he doesn't have any medical conditions, right? you know, we don't, that are not part of sort of just average everyday life, then there is absolutely nothing to be concerned about. Yeah. Then he let his head flop. And guess what? He's going to get out of the car and be like, what do you mean? My neck hurt. No, it doesn't. So <laughs> I'm a he, kid. <laughs> yeah. It's not a big deal. Now you can teach older kids. So forward facing kids that are falling asleep in the car still, you're on a long road trip. If you teach them to look up at the ceiling, 
Mm. as they fall asleep. So if we think about us as adults, like in an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us sleep sitting up, or I, at least I, you know, I don't, not on purpose anyways. I <laughs> <laughs> fall asleep sitting up sometimes. Every once in a while. Airplane, right? You can't just lean over and hang out on somebody else. So you teach yourself sort of to sit upright and mm-hmm. fall asleep with either your neck a little bit tilted to the side or what we end up doing is you look up. Mm-hmm. So we teach older kids that fall asleep in the car. They may have long commutes or go on long trips or be tired. That is a technique to just not get in an uncomfortable position if they even are uncomfortable. Many of that is us sort of freaking out about something because that's what we're good at doing. Right. Good info. So let's move on to the winter months question because we are starting. It's I'm in North Carolina. So I mean, it's like 70 today. It's not cold at all. I don't need a coat for my son or anything. But as we, you know, get into these winter months, I know a big thing that we talk about with car seat safety is buckling a kid in with a coat and how bad of an idea that is. So can you please debunk that? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, in general, if, if you guys have hung on long enough to listen to the majority of this podcast, then you understand <laughs> that proper harnessing is like mission critical here. Right. So, we don't want to put a thick layer of anything in between a kid's body or our body for that matter. And the restraint, the restraint could either be an adult seatbelt like we all sit in or a five point harness, like many of our children sit in. Mm-hmm. So we don't want anything that has the opportunity to compress in a crash because then that means there is extra slack. There is more opportunity for the body to move. So I tell people all the time, a five-point harness is a straight jacket. It is a restraint, which is also why I highly encourage people to keep their children in it until they outgrow the limits of the restraint. Right. Because it's a very different ball game when you put them in a non-restraint. Mm-hmm. And it puts the responsibility of the safety on them. So while we're thinking about these colder months, in general, nothing that comes between the car seat like in behind them. So there's some of these covers. Again, I'm going to have a whole thing that's that's going to be out on this. Nothing that goes behind the baby or behind the child. So car seat back into their back. And then nothing that goes in between like their chest and the harness clip. Mm-hmm. So if you're freezing, a fleece jacket is almost always a good, nice, thin fleece jacket. We also don't need 800 layers in the car. Mm-hmm. The cars will heat up right? So if we are not going to be in negative 30 degree temperatures in the car for a long period of time, because guess what? We wouldn't be able to do that yeah. either. Yeah. So when we're over bundling babies. They're often cranky and uncomfortable because they're overheating. They're like, yeah. what in here? I'm stuffed in this car seat. I'm harnessed in. And now you've got 18 mittens and a hat and 15 layers on me. Yeah. And they can't do anything about it. Either. Like they no. can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, like Hey mom, breathe back here. Yeah. yeah. Give me some air. So yeah. there's a couple of approved products. You know, there's a new buckle me baby coat that is out that I personally bought myself a couple weeks ago and tested. I feel like that's a really safe option. You can use a car seat poncho. You can put a blanket on over you once the car seat is, you know, once you're buckled yeah. in, you can take your jacket and flip it, you know, just lay it on over your lap. You have to be careful with babies that are starting to grab things that they don't pull things over their face. Over their face, yeah. So, you know, it's obviously sort of age and developmentally appropriate, but 
in general, the less we can have between the harness and our bodies for any age, the better, because then in a crash, the restraint, it activates more quickly. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. And I think the thing that hit home with me too, is those jackets, those puffy jackets in a crash, they just compress. Like, so there is really space between Yes. The car, you know what I mean? Like it's just, your jacket just really just goes, you know what I mean? It's yes. like, yeah, you can't really tighten it now, but like if you're in a crash, it just goes, yes, <laughs> you know? like yeah, that, exactly. those are things that, yeah. So there's a whole like winter coat test mm-hmm. again to highlight on my page because I get asked this question all the time. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I do it every year, even though we wear coats like three times in Tampa, but I still do it with and practice it. The coat test honestly, for like myself, I'm always shocked at the amount of slack. When I put my kid in with the puffy something, Mm -hmm. I take them out, I put them back in without touching the harness straps. I am like, this is crazy. And I know I got it tight because it's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I still have all the slack. So anything puffy in this, you know, if they're playing dress up, so whether it's, you know, Halloween season or we have a lot of kids that, you know, like to wear their Captain America, whatever, in in the car seat or, you know, we're just going to go with it. Just be really careful of anything that has an extra bulk to it because the same thing, it's going to compress and it hides the fact that really the harness is not tight. Yeah. Good point. It is getting close to Halloween and my son's going to be a fire fighter. And his, and I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh, I guess I can't strap him in with his firefighter outfit because <laughs> it's too bulky. But yeah, that's a great point about Halloween costumes too, because I don't think we really think about that. The other point I was going to make about winter is what I do is I just kind of flip the coat around and have, and if, you know, he's older, so it's not like he's a baby pulling up stuff over his face, but I just flip the coat over and just wear it backwards. But I know my mom especially is concerned like, oh my gosh, he's going to be cold, like put his jacket on. And it's like, it's literally five feet from the door to the car. It's not like we're trucking out a mile to get to the court. Like, so what? He's cold for half a second. And then we get into the car and we warm the car up. I mean, I think this is probably more a grandparents thing that, oh, they're cold. Like we got to bundle them up, you know, because we're going outside to get in the car. It's like, it's literally five feet. That's how far it is from my car to my door. So (laughs) yeah, I do. I think there's, you know, of course we don't want our kids to suffer or to be in pain or, you know, but but we also need to be reasonable. If you're growing up in a cold climate, they're going to be cold sometimes. Right. You don't want them to be dangerously cold ever. Right. But take a blanket bundle them up, run to the car, yeah, undo the blanket, stick them in the seat, and then use that blanket as your back and forth. Yeah. You know, turn the car on. Like it's going to heat up. And I do have, because I live in Tampa, Florida, you know, I, the cold, <laughs> we are busting out our boots when it's like under 65 degrees here because we don't get near them any other time. Literally there are people walking around in Uggs, myself included. Nice when it's like 62 degrees because we don't get to, you know, we gotta, we have to wear them sometime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I do have a lot of people and other technicians that will be guests chiming in and doing some open Q and A's because I do want to make sure that we're addressing all of the winter weather concerns. And while I same can read about it and talk about it, living it, I know is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. we'll make sure to get 
all that stuff addressed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. It's it's usually a pretty short amount pretty of short time. trip, even from the car to like the grocery store walk. Right. You know, like it's really once we get into grocery store, it's warm. But I just feel like I have to remind my mom of that. It's like, okay, it's fine. It's only going to be five seconds that he's going to be cold. Like, and then we're going to get in the car. He's not going to die. So right. yeah. Well, let's talk about rear facing versus front facing. And, you know, what are the biggest like safety concerns, first of all, with that? And then when exactly is it safe to switch? Because I, I mean, my son, he's two and a half. Uh, we still rear face him because, I mean, he hasn't complained about it and I haven't and my husband hasn't. So it's like, we're just, you know, and he's in a car seat where it's fine to rear face for his height and weight. But this is a question that comes up a lot is like, okay, the difference between rear facing and front facing and like, when is it okay to switch them to front facing? Yeah. Ages and stages is, you know, if we were talking about sort of those top five, this is absolutely in the top five and truly is sort of one of the reasons I got super passionate about car seat safety because I couldn't find some of these answers myself. What do I do when? How do I know? Yeah. I want to do the right thing. And I've heard these various myths about when I'm supposed to do what. So what I will say about this topic is it's science. This is 100% science. There are so many things in parenting that are just sort of our judgment calls or our preference. When it comes to whether to rear face or to forward face, there are not two sides to this story. Now, as parents, you know, we get to make the call, but there is 100% clear scientific data on what is the best way to travel with your kids up to a certain point. So here's what it is. The majority of crashes happen from frontal or side impact. A rear facing car seat is positioned that way to best absorb the crash forces and to protect the head, neck, and spine. Okay. That's not very like much like I was reading it. I actually was (laughs) But that truly is like when we're, we were talking earlier about, about like our bra strap, like uh, right. visualizing that, like if you think about the cocoon shape of a car seat and a frontal crash, your body is going to move in the direction of the crash. So if you're facing rear and your body shifts towards the direction of a crash, mm-hmm. our kids are completely cocooned in a car seat. They're going towards the car seat. (laughs) They're going towards, yeah. So which also means their legs are coming back towards their body, Mm -hmm. right? So they're safe. We literally have no evidence of rear-facing kids and leg injuries. All leg injuries are happening forward-facing because the legs are slamming into the front seats. Mm. In a rear-facing seat, their legs are just coming back into their bodies. Mm -hmm. And as you well know, we can fix those types of injuries, even though they're not happening, but a spine, a neck. Way worse. You can't fix that. Yeah. So because of the car seats have been designed with the fact in mind of how, with you know the research and the data of how crashes happen, how the majority happen, and which ones are the most, create the most injuries or worse. Mm-hmm. So car seats are designed to line up with those facts. So with our rear-facing kids, their bones are not fused together yet. So much like we said earlier, they're like little gumbies or kind of like limp noodles. Mm-hmm. They are not little adults. So even when they start sassing you back in the way that you feel like, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I can't believe you just said that to me. <laughs> they're not little adults. And even if they look on the outside, like they are developed, it does not mean that they are on the inside. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's called ossification when their bones fuse together. 
that doesn't happen until much later on in their development. Four to seven years old is when we start to see their bones like f- be fully ossificated. Ossificated? Is that a word? I don't know what the, however you would <laughs> conjugate that fun word. Uh, when you see their bones like fully fused together and yeah. a really scary fact, and I try to be very careful of like thrown out too much in terms of scare tactics, but it only takes a quarter of an inch of movement within the spine in order to, you know, have bad hurt it happen. Yeah, to hurt it real, real yeah. bad. Yeah. Where it can't be reversed, paralyzed, death, etc. Right. So if we know that those bones aren't fused together yet, and we often see misuses in car seats, not tight enough, added products, improper install. If we add a lot of these factors together, then it's very likely that the spinal cord could move more than that Mm -hmm. quarter inch. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm not into the like, let me scare everyone into doing things, but I do want people to be informed about at least this specific point is very much based in black and white science. And here's the other thing from one mom to all of you others. When you think about turning your son forward facing, Mm -hmm. let me just go ahead and tell you, game over in the car. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is a whole freaking different world. Yeah. Now they see you. Now they when you seek sneak a snack, guess who uh-huh. guess who knows about it? They do. <laughs> That's when a good point. That song stopped working. <laughs> nope. They know. I know nobody here glances at their phone when they're driving. Nobody does because we would not do that. It's not safe. But if for some reason you did, yeah. You get called out on it. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to walk into some school or store and be like, mommy was on her phone. <laughs> I mean, now you're playing a great point. <laughs> the entire ride before they're looking out the back and they have a largely panoramic view. Yeah. Don't mess with what doesn't need to be messed with. And they got a nice seat. They can just kick and. And they're like, recli- they're like in a recliner. Yeah. They're blind. They're like laying back. Their legs are never a problem. Here's the thing. When, if you turn a kid forward facing because of their legs, which is by far the reason most people do, right? it's not the right reason. Here's what's going to happen. If I give you another real life example, if you are a shorter person, I'm not a very tall person, but if I sit on a bar stool and I can't reach or the bar stool doesn't have one of those little legs to like put your feet on to rest your feet on. Yeah. How comfortable yeah. is that? Yeah. Not great. Not, not awesome. <laughs> Right, your legs are dangling there. Your legs are starting to fall asleep. So our forward-facing kids, that's what happens. So many of them then start to complain that their legs hurt. Well, yeah, because they're dangling in midair. So then guess what? They start sitting the way they were sitting rear-facing anyways. They hang their legs over the side. They crisscross applesauce their legs, and they're uncomfortable. So I tell people both from a safety no question that it's safer. There's just no question. Right. But from a sanity in your mom world, for the love, keep them facing backwards. It is not any easier to strap in a crazy, I want to do it myself toddler forward facing than it is rear facing. It's a right. pain both ways. Right. They, want, they all go through that period of going to get in, they're going to run around the car. You got to try to get them in. You're trying to maybe buckle multiple kids or they want to do it themselves. You're going to go through that stage. You're going to go through the, like, they're a, you know, a brick trying to get them in. They're like completely straight bodied and you're trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, body slam them in to get them to bend. 
Like that's going to happen no matter what position they, it's developmental. So it doesn't matter which position they're facing. It's going to be difficult. So how do you make the call of when to do it? One, I would say you've invested in a convertible car seat, many of which have nine to 10 year expiration dates. Mm -hmm. Now I don't have money that grows on a tree over here. So let's go ahead and maximize the money that we've invested in this life-saving device right. and keep our kids rear-facing till the limits of the seat. So what that means is every car seat has a stated height limit and a stated weight limit. Mm-hmm. Hit either one and it's time to turn them forward-facing. Okay? Tip. Yes. It, it's either or. And I will say this because... I think there are so many car seat manufacturers that work so amazingly with all with me, with all the car seat safety technicians. But here's the thing, they're marketing, they're selling products, right? So when you are purchasing a car seat, just think about proportions, okay? You can't be an 85 pound kid in a 40 inch rear facing seat. Right, right. Nobody would think to think about that, but you might want to now that I'm telling you. <laughs> Because your marketing, oh, it's going to fit my kids till 85 pounds or 50 pounds. Or yeah, okay, let's just balance that out and yeah. make sure that the height is proportionate. So because of those crash dynamics we talked about earlier, the general rule is that you always want their head to be within one inch below the top of the car seat. Mm-hmm. Top can be defined differently. It could be just based on the manufacturer. It could be headrest extended. It could be shell of seat. Depends on the car seat. But again, you've already read your manual, so you're going to know what that is. That's right. But what I tell people is get out a piece of masking tape, painter's tape, something. Stick those numbers on the side of your seat. Now, they're listed on the side of your seat, you guys. They're all there because the car seat manufacturers, if anyone listens to this, you're going to be like, I can't believe she said that. We put all of this on the side of the seat. I know. I know you do. Thank you, car seat manufacturers for that. (laughs) However, it's like white noise. If I asked you what's on the side of your seat, you're not going to know. So take a piece of tape. Write the height limit, the weight limit, and if you have a lower anchor connector limit, the the latches or lower anchor connector weight limit, go ahead and stick that on the piece of tape too. And then every time you're at the pediatrician and you get those stats, literally take them, compare them to those numbers, and you'll be like, okay, I'm getting close here. Take a look at the top of your kid's head. Is it still underneath the top of the car seat? Yeah, I love that. And I feel like, I mean... Gosh, I haven't been in a while to the pediatrician. You know, it's getting to the colder months. We're probably going to get sick here. (laughs) Every time you go, you usually at least get a weight. Sometimes they don't do a height, but, you know, they usually at least do a weight. So that's a good time to just check it when you're there. I I live in the car seat world and I still do that with my, my kids probably get the shortest end of the stick because I'm working with everybody else's families all the time. So I use it as my trigger in my brain. I have, you know, safe in the seat stickers that I use. It's sort of like a cheat sheet, right? Of what you really need to remember. But honestly, every time I'm in the pediatrician's parking lot, I do a car seat once over to make sure I haven't missed anything. Love it. Love it. Well, cool. Well, let's wrap up and just kind of remind people where they can go, who they can contact if they need help installing their car seat or making sure baby's buckled in. Let's just readdress that question. Yep. So the first thing I'll say is everybody needs help. You cannot learn how to do this without being taught. I don't know how anybody would know all these things without being taught in some way, shape, or form. So please don't feel like you should know it or it's intuitive or how hard can it be? Because 
it is the one thing that will save your child's life. You will be in up to at least four accidents in your lifetime. So let's just go ahead and take this out of the equation. So read your manual, call your car seat manufacturer. If you need hands-on help, there are nationally certified technicians across the country. Some of us are private, like myself. Others work in agencies and hospitals, et cetera. If you go to, and we can link to this, cert.safekids.org, there is a click-through to find a tech, and you put in your zip code or your county. Don't narrow it too much, or you, will, you, know, you won't get as many results as you need, mm-hmm. and you will find us on there. And we have to be currently certified to be on there. So we're all listed. Right, so right. They're around. Some people that are in a bit more remote areas obviously may have to travel a little bit of distance to find someone. There right. are people like me that do virtual consultations as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a resource. The thing I would caution people on are two things. One, do not assume that because there is someone in the fire department and law enforcement working at a hospital that they are certified technicians. Okay. Mm -hmm. It used to be that that was required in more fire stations, for example, Mm -hmm. but like locally where I am, it's not required by any of them. There's not one certified car seat safety technician that is seeing people in my area, but yet it's still a myth in some areas it happens. And that is amazing. But again, I just was working with a family who was going into a fire station and they were willing to help her but they were not certified technicians. Mm. So just like anything, be careful. You know, I'm not going to ask my car mechanic which car seat I should buy, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to talk to somebody who is an expert in that area. So just because people help others, nurses, doctors, firefighters, policemen, other moms, just because we all care and help other people does not mean that we are experts in that particular area. Yeah, absolutely. Not, you know, I can buckle my kid in, but yeah, I'm not certified. So I cannot help people with car seats. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of crazy that a lot of pediatricians don't even have somebody on staff, like a car seat technician or whatever. It, it, you know, usually they are at the hospitals, but yeah, usually we think like, oh, my pediatrician, I go to a pediatrician, like my nurse can help me if I have questions, but like a lot of times they're not even there. So, no, and even the, I mean, I just assumed that my pediatrician would have been trained on this because, yeah, and they're it's not like when we go to like our OBGYNs and we ask them everything, right? And then as you get older, it's like, no, 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 like Michelle, you, you need to go talk to an internist or whatever. I'm like, right, but you're a doctor, yeah, you know, well, everything, yeah, yeah like you're the you, you can't, can you just do it? I don't have time to go to, it's like. No, here are the body parts I specialize in. (laughs) Someone else specializes in the others. And our pediatricians are generalists and they are lifesavers. I mean, I am on the phone with mine more than I care to admit. For sure. Um, But she's, she, my pediatrician specifically will say, I absolutely was never trained on anything car seat safety related. I know the basics, but she's like, I can't. And she does, it's a liability. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good. Good point. All right. Well, do you have any last tips for moms if they are listening to this podcast? Maybe they're pregnant. Maybe they already had their baby. Have any last tips of safety, anything you can share with moms and then we'll wrap up. Oh, so many. So here's something that's completely not car seat related. Here's a mom tip for you. So one of the things that we learned after my first kid is people can't meet expectations if they don't know what they are, right? So here's my 
non-car seat related mom tip. Before you have your baby, and you can do this after, regardless of which baby it is, I tell every one of my clients this, write a list of who's going to do what. So if you're a dual parent household, if you have grandparents, if you have extended family, whatever, mm-hmm. I literally tell every mom to write a list and tape it somewhere mm-hmm. so that when anyone comes in their home, they are to check that list. And when that list is completed, they don't have to ask me, what can I do? How can I help? Blah, blah, blah. No. Look at the list, mm-hmm. empty the dishwasher, fold the laundry, sanitize the bottles, whatever. Do that. And if you have a significant other that is in your home with you and they're taking some sort of leave, they're going to be walking around aimlessly. So go ahead and give them a list of responsibilities. Of what <laughs> I love it. Do. And it will save so much aggravation for you as a person. <laughs> I love it. No, as, as a lover of lists, I mean, I have lists everywhere in my house and like on my desk and I just love lists. So I love that little tip. <laughs> just keep lists. And I feel like it just keeps you organized. It, then you, everybody knows what they're doing. It's not yes, passive aggressive at all, refer, even though my husband refer to the list. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, what can I do? And then we think people are going to see things that we see and they don't. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, if you need to write it by day, so the trash cans go out, if you, whatever is necessary yeah. in your home. And especially if you have like extended family visiting, I think that that's really helpful because often all they want to do is hold the baby. Mm-hmm. And often all you want to do is have the stuff in the house done, be fed, yep. be able to shower and take a nap. And so that's the other thing I tell parents is it's not sleep when the baby sleeps. It's sleep when other people are there to hold the baby. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, because, yeah, when am I going to do my laundry or when am I going to empty my dishwasher? Yeah, right. That's what the list is for. They get to to help with that, you know? Love it. I love it. That's a great tip. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being on here. I think this was a very, very info-packed episode that can help a lot of people. So So thank you. Thank you so much. Can you just remind people... I don't even think you said your handle when you first came on, but just remind people if they want to follow you, where they can kind of find you on social media and on the internet. Yeah, so Instagram is by far the platform that I use the most right now. So it's safe in the seat, all one word. So you can find me there. I'm also on Facebook. And then I have a website, safeintheseat.com. But, you know, I'm sharing all of the all of the things that we talked about that, like you said, it is definitely, the stuff can be so technical and, you know, we didn't even cover so many other aspects of car seat safety right? and can be very difficult. I'm, I'm a visual learner. So hopefully for those of you that have, like I said, sort of stuck this out or fast forwarded to the parts that made sense for you, there's examples of all of what we talked about on my page or in my highlights. So if you have questions and you can't find something, DM me and we will make sure to get them answered for you. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy 
or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee. So if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code podcastlistener. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.